Welcome to the second podcast of the Ritual Historical Society for 2021. Uh, for those who tuned into our last podcast, it was an interview with John Biostad, a longtime volunteer here discussing the history of the Bartholomew House. This month we're going to be talking to our director, uh, Doug Ernst, about plans for Memorial Day. Um, we will not be open on Memorial Day itself, which is a Monday, so we are planning a very full-packed day on the Saturday prior to Memorial Day. That'll be May 29th, and that's from noon to 4. So, Doug, what are what are the plans for that day? Well, thanks, John. Um, yeah, I a little bit about myself uh, to lead into this. I am out of uh, both an education and a historic interpretation background. So I have a lot of educator friends and I have a lot of reenactment or reinterpreting friends. And I have sent out a call and they have been very, very kind in providing some of their time to basically show the people of Ridgefield what it was like in the 1860s and 1870s. So we're going to have six stations. The first station is actually going to be a Civil War cooking uh, demonstration. A friend of mine um, who is an excellent cook is going to work over an open pit, and I think she's actually planning to do two things. One, uh, cook a couple things that might be appropriate for the battlefield, and then also do a demonstration of the type of summer cooking that would have been done um, at that time time, the 1860s, on the home front here in Richfield and basically throughout the you know, the uh, southern half of uh, Minnesota. And even if you may not be wildly enthused about 1860s, um, what she's really doing is camp cooking. Okay? Okay. So if you like to go to a national park or a state park and rent a space and do some cooking outside over a grill or over a hearth, that's what Katie's going to be doing. All right? Mm -hmm. So come out and, and if nothing else, pick her brain about how to do a variety of different types of things. Katie actually was here for our annual meeting, and she made up some of the most scrumptious um, apple desserts that you'd ever want to have. The second station is going to be uh, dedicated to the GAR, which stands for Grand Army of the Republic. And the Grand Army of the Republic comes out of the you know, tradition of, of honoring the dead by, and by putting flowers and so forth on graves. And this started in, uh, for, in different states uh, about 1866. 
and the um, GAR, Grand Army of the Republic, as an organization, ceased in 1956 with the death of Albert Wilson from Duluth. Oh. He was the last Civil War um, veteran living. And so once he died, the organization folded, okay? Um, Probably the most modern equivalent would be, if, if someone's wondering what the Grand Army of the Republic would be like, the American Legion we'd think of now, or, and, or the VFW. And, and actually, there are, uh, are some roots of both of those organizations to the GAR. Okay. Okay? Um, and some people may have also run across the term sons of the J-A-R. And so those were um, young men who had fought in the in Spanish-American War in the 1890s, and their dads had been in the Civil War. They wanted to join the J-A-R, but they weren't allowed to because they hadn't actually been in the war. So it, it, it mutates over, over time. So um, we're going to have two of the best Civil War historians in the entire state here talking about the GAR and also what is known as the Women's Relief Corps. The GAR uh, was for uh, soldiers, supporting the uh, soldiers. Um, it also had a political component to it. You really couldn't be elected to anything in Minnesota and most other states between about 1870 and about 1890, 95, if you couldn't show that you had been in the Civil War and had a connection to the GAR, mm -hmm. okay? Um, but the women's side of this, and yes, there were some women who um, basically snuck in and were soldiers on the front line, and they went for years without being detected. Uh, and for those individuals and women who were on the home front, there was the Women's Relief Corps. And uh, the two individuals that will be here with us essentially have devoted the, uh, their adult lives to uh, portraying, researching, discussing the GAR and the you know, Women's uh, Relief Corps. So um, that, that should be interesting. Um, along with those two individuals around the site where we're interpreting the GAR and the Women's Relief Fund uh, or Corps, I have uh, two or three friends who will discuss um, Minnesotans who went off to the Civil War, came back, and then in 1862 were uh, moved out 
to the West because of the Indian uprising. Right. Um, and one gentleman who is going to be uh, talking about religion and um, the part it played both on the home front and on the front lines. Uh, we're going to have some uh, music. We, I have a, a friend who makes his own instruments and probably can teach uh, the kids how to uh, make their own instruments. Okay. And he plays uh, music from that era as well. So he will be either in a location or just strolling about and making making music for whoever shows up. Um, the porch of the house um, on the Lindale side will be given over to two uh, women who are really good at knitting and spinning and blanket making. Uh, the, the one belongs to the State Spinning Guild, um, and they're going to be talking about efforts to raise money, raise funds um, for you know, soldiers on, uh, on the battlefield. Um, the in the back porch of the house, I have a you know, friend. He is a colonel in, in the Minnesota National Guard, but he al also is a you know, medical historian and will be able to you know, talk about uh, medicine on the battlefield and and in the field hospitals, and then um, the in the gallery we're going to have some uh, quilts um, set out for people to look at, and that will sort of be in direct reference to what the you know, two women are going to talk about in terms of work on uh, the home front uh, to support the, the you know, soldiers. So that's sort of what we're going to try to have going on in uh, that four hours here at the History Center on uh, Saturday the 29th preceding Memorial Day. So there's a great spring and summer of events that are being planned here in 2021. Besides the Memorial Day event, uh, we are continuing our family fun day, grab-and-go bags, that started last year. Um, beyond that, we do have a spring history forum uh, that will be held on May 19th here at the History Center. Those of you who are familiar with our history forums, remember we usually held them at the uh, Richfield Community Center, but due to the pandemic, uh, it is still closed, so we will be holding it here. The forum will start at 10.30 on, I believe it's Wednesday, May 19th, at 10.30 in the morning, run for about an hour. Um, and in order to get people to be here, be safe, socially distanced, uh, we will be holding it outdoors in a tent, a, a good-sized tent, um, and we'll also be streaming it on Facebook Live. Um, this is a free event. It is not. We do, we do ask for donations, but we don't charge for tickets or anything like that. 
And there are three new displays that just went up here at the History Center as well. So please stop in, take a look, tell us what you think, uh, and keep an eye out. There are more changes coming as the year goes on. So back to our topic at hand. We ordinarily think of Memorial Day as being something that started at the end of World War I in 1918. But what's the connection going back to the Civil War? Well, John, it's, it's kind of interesting, and I alluded to this before. Um, in 1866, uh, various honorings started to spring up in a, a variety of, of states. And in about 1868, um, General John A. Logan de declared uh, May 30th to be a Memorial Day. But it also ended up being referred to as Decoration Day for a lot of years. And the reason for that was that Logan's wife actually observed um, Southern women decorating the you know, graves of uh, Southern dead. And she went back to Logan and she you know, basically, these weren't her words, but Essentially, you know, she said, look, if the losers can be honoring their soldiers and honoring what they contributed, we should be doing this too. Right. Okay? And so while uh, the, the order officially was... Uh, um, established as Memorial Day, a day upon which Americans now pay tribute to their you know, Civil War dead. As time went on, um, the dates got changed from time to time. And in fact, uh, various states were honoring their you know, states dead at different times, okay? Mm -hmm. And so with the ending of um, World War I, Decoration Day was basically codified into a Memorial Day. And since uh, the losses in World War I had been so severe for the length of time that the United States was actually in that um, conflict. Which was only about a year and a half. Uh, yeah. That we were involved. Exactly. Um, it got codified, a date more or less set, and um, it became Memorial Day. And ever since then, this is the date when soldiers who have died in all conflicts before and since uh, are, are honored. And so um, that's, that's how it basically came about. And then what is the connection um, 
to Minnesota, and obviously since we're the Richfield Historical Society, what's the, is there a specific connection to Richfield? Well, you know, in, at the start of the war, the governor um, sent word home to raise troops. And one of the locations that troops were inducted into the military and then were sent off down south from was Fort Snelling. And, of course, Fort Snelling, um, the original owner of that, owned a parcel of land to the north that basically runs almost up to you know, the south end of uh, Wood Lake Nature Center. And, um, of course, we, you know, we raised the Minnesota first very, very quickly, and they mustered out and went south. They were in Gettysburg and so forth. And uh, a brand-new researcher uh, that uh, has just come on board has provided me with a direct set of links. And when I say these names, there's probably a ton more of you know, folk from Richfield uh, as it was at that time. Uh, but these are the ones that she has been able to find so far. And, and in looking at these six names... There, there's a lot of interesting potential for you know, further research and, and learning. Um, and I'm actually going to skip the first one here on, on the list for just a minute. Um, but Francis Kittle had a, you know, a P.O. box in Richfield. And if I'm remembering correctly, the first post office in Richfield was in the you know, Richfield United Methodist Church. And if I've got that correct. So uh, that's uh, Francis Kittle is a Richfield guy. And he was given a pension because of lung disease, exhaustion, and debilitation. And for his time in the service, he got, starting March of 1881, $8 a month. Which was a lot of money then. <laughs> a lot of money, yes. And, and if you take into account inflation, that $8 a month would be $217.61 now. Now, you have to remember that may not sound like a huge amount of money in relative terms today, but at that time, there was a vast number of people who weren't making more than about a hundred dollars a month, and if that and that would be a really, really good wage so uh, these individuals uh, making $8 a month were making you know, double that amount. Well, I figure our local constable in the uh, 
1850s to 1880s for just going out to serve a summons on someone, he'd get a quarter. Yeah. I mean, it was that just to do that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, a dollar to cover his mileage. And, exactly. Know. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. So, um, and then there was Isaac H. Mosier. And this says that he had an injury to the back and side. While I don't know specifically uh, what it was for him, an injury to the back or side at that time would also often mean that they, the individual had taken numerous gunshots uh, or stabs to uh, the, the side, and he was pretty well debilitated uh, for um, a fair length of time. Especially since Civil War medicine wasn't exactly tip of the top cream of the crop at the time. It, exactly. More, it was, more, more soldiers died in the medical tents than on the battlefield. Yeah, the and, and what's, what's interesting is that many of the things that we look at today as um, normal battlefield uh, medicine was experimental at that time. They were just, they were just coming up with the idea of having a, a ambulance pulled by horses go out on the field and pull guys out of the muck and the mud, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, he got $8 a month. Actually, he got $5.33 a month, which comes out to be $144.99, so $145. Um Estes Stephens Jr. Um, he was plagued for the rest of his life with chronic diarrhea. Okay, that's an interesting one. Yeah, and <laughs> and disease of the abdomen. So, so he probably picked up dysentery or something like that. While in in, the in all likelihood, exactly. And so he got eight dollars a month. Um, Job J. Pratt, another Richfield resident, um, he got a pension because he had disease of the eyes. Hmm. So, you know, does this mean that he had an eye put out? Does it mean that he contracted something that, uh, that caused him permanent eye damage uh, we don't know. Yeah, it could have been uh, even uh, an accident with his weapon or who knows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was really common because in the middle of a lot of the battles, uh, there was so much snow, smoke and noise that guys would actually get rattled and reload their uh, weapon two, three, and even four times without firing. They they. They were just trying to process so much stuff. And then when uh, they would try and fire it, it would either misfire or just blow the entire weapon up. And so really don't know what uh, disease of the eyes would be, but he got 
$12 a month, which would translate to $326.42. And probably some of these amounts are dependent on years of service, probably yep. rank. Yep. Um, and whether or not they saw duty just down south or whether they you know, came back home and got you know, put out into western Minnesota, South Dakota, and even up into Montana after the Indian uprising. Who knows? Um, and then Tobias Paul, the last one in order. And then I'm going to go back to the first one because this one is, uh, that last one is going to be interesting. Um, disease of the lungs and heart. And that could have been darn near anything. Yeah. 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 And he got uh, $4 a month or $108 and some odd cents. And just so everyone knows, th th these... The, the descriptions he's reading off here and that are coming off of what they called pension rolls yep. that were kept by the uh, federal government, uh, which also means that it's down to the description of whoever hand wrote the thing. And they wouldn't have, you know, nowadays you'd put it down, cancer or more specific, but that, back then, disease of the eye. Yeah, that's yep. just all you could do. Yep. Which, which feeds in nicely to uh, the last person I'm going to mention. Because the last person I'm going to mention is Ursula Gregory. Okay, that's interesting. A woman. Then. Yeah. There were a number of women throughout the estates that would either be married, newly married, or it was a sweetheart, or sometimes a mother who would go along with a son, lover, husband. Most commonly, <laughs> officers would be bringing their families along. And yeah, but you know, there were you know, there were often you know, a lot of uh, women who would you know, would disguise themselves as men, and and that's where you get into a mother going in with a young son or a you know, wife going in you know, with her husband uh, just couldn't bear the idea of possibly losing them. Anyway, the reason for uh, you know, this uh, Ursula's um, pension is simply listed as mother. So I'm thinking that, you know, if you were... If you were 16, 17, there were a couple tricks that recruiters would use to uh, get you so that you could enlist. One of them, literally, it was almost humorous. It was humorous if you didn't think of the you know, logical consequences. You get a 15-year-old in, and the recruiter can see that the individual is not 18. So uh, the recruiter would literally have a slip of paper on which the word, you know, the number 18 was written. He would put it down on the ground and say, stand on this slip of paper. And then he would enter over 18. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, oh my so, gosh! So this individual could have been 
the mother of a individual who was actually too young to have legally gotten into the military. And so she went along to protect her child. And it, so it could be that. And it also could be she was the beneficiary of a dead you never soldier, know. husband, yeah. son, yeah. whatever. Yep. So in this case, son. Yep. So uh, that's that's the very personal connection to uh, Richfield in terms of the Civil War. But even if you didn't have a relative who was uh, fighting, the women's organizations, the local women's organizations, the women's aid societies, local churches were constantly rolling bandages, uh, knitting socks, uh, making blankets and quilts to send to uh, the soldiers who were on the field. And so that's another way that the residents of Richfield would have been connected uh, to the war effort in the in Civil War and thus be bound up by uh, Decoration Day. And uh, there was another soldier whose name eludes me at the moment who was mistakenly buried as a Confederate soldier yep. in South Carolina. Yep. And it, the uh, discovery of the mistake was only made maybe about five, six years ago. Right. Um, the We have a memorial to him. He was from Richfield. There is a memorial to him in, in a, one of our parks. Yep. And I believe his name is also listed on our Veterans Memorial. Um, the Someone did ask me, the reason that comes to mind, someone asked me if the family had him moved to a Minnesota cemetery. No, they left him in right. South Carolina. That was just not worth the expense. But you they know, did give him a corrected yep. headstone. So he's the only Union soldier buried in the Confederate cemetery yep. in South Carolina. Yep. And, you know, uh, um, people might ask, why don't our local uh, cemeteries have more grave markers or whatever for uh, their uh, Civil War dead. And what you said and it goes to that point exactly. Um, when you're making six bucks a month, you don't have the money to ship a body back over a thousand miles for burial here. And so there are an, an incredible amount of northern soldiers who are maybe in northern cemeteries, but they're in southern states because they simply did not have uh, the ability, the families didn't have the, the ability to bring them back. Well, and embalming was a brand new science at the time, so yep. only the very wealthy could afford to have yep. it done. And so it because of also for health reasons, they needed to bury the dead quickly. Fairly quickly, So yep. you're pretty much, that's why when you go to a Civil War battlefield, there's always mass graves. Yep. Because that's just, they had to get everybody underground. Exactly. So, yep. Uh, so as Doug said, that event will be taking place outside um, for the History Forum, as will our Memorial Day events, so yep. they'll be outside. Um, we're doing that for two reasons. One is to make sure that, obviously, everyone can be socially distanced. Uh, we encourage wearing masks. Um, the second reason is, right now, as many people know, we have the Rayleigh Bartholomew House on our property, which actually did play a part in the 1862 uprising as a group called Northrop's Volunteers was put together in yep. the house. Yep. Um, 
but normally we would already have the house open to the public. Well, it opened up on April 1st. Um, we've had some issues happen inside, which has been detailed in some videos, some water damage in the cellar of the house. And this has created a situation. The house is structurally fine, but it has created some environmental issues that we are in the process of just dealing with and getting all taken care of. But, um, and it will be easily resolved, but we have to take time, take proper steps to get it all set so that we can have everybody come back in. So, more about the Memorial Day event, since we're talking about that. Uh, what's the difference between Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and some of those other days that are, there's Army Day, Navy Day. Um, is there a, you know, obviously Army, Navy, we figure out their specific branches. Yep. Yep. Um, so I think the one that I, I even have, I have kids ask it a lot. What, why is there Memorial Day and Veterans Day? Why aren't they the same? Right. Well... They were instituted for you know, two totally different reasons, both you know, to honor individuals, but Memorial Day, as I you know, discussed on, on a couple earlier occasions in this, uh, in this uh, discussion, is all about remembering those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, it is, there's a mystique about those who have given their lives and, and certainly individuals who have come back as veterans deserve to be honored in their own way. Not wanting to be overly crass about the whole thing the guys that we honor on Memorial Day, whether it be Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea. Spanish-American War, exactly. War of 1812. We've yep. had a few wars. Yep. They gave the highest price. They, they not only gave some of their time and maybe a limb, but they became part of the eternal. And mm -hmm. Veterans Day is for the individuals that we can still walk up to and simply say, thank you for your service. Those we memorialize on Memorial Day, we don't have that luxury, and they don't have the luxury of hearing it. That's very true. When my daughter was... Uh small, and she's a teenager now, um, I couldn't explain to her the history of Memorial Day or that, you know, that Veterans Day was originally Armistice Day, uh, recognizing the end of what they thought was the war to end all wars, which yep. unfortunately it was not. Right. Um, so to simplify it to her, she was maybe six years old at the time, I said, Memorial Day is we honor the fallen, Veterans Day we honor the living. Yep, there you and go. And I think that's the probably the easiest way to explain it. Yep. So. Yep. Um, and and not wanting to interrupt, but uh, those listening to this might hear something going off in the background. It's just an alarm. Nothing. <laughs> nothing more serious than that. Our museum is open to the public, so there's lots of background. There you go. And that's yep. just life. Yep. Um, so as you know, the purpose of the historical societies to preserve, share the history of the Bartholomew House, of course, but also the history of really Richfield and 
the history of Richfield as it's grown, developed over the uh, 19th, 20th, and into now the 21st century. Um, there's a lot we can point to and share over the past 107 years. It's pretty interesting, a value, and it goes to shape our future. So we would love to have you as members, volunteers, donors, and as many frequent visitors as you can have. We try to keep things fresh and new, uh, new exhibits going up every once in a while, and just things changing, events that now the pandemic is, we're slowly coming out of it, we can do more events again and uh, have more visitors. So, so last question about the Memorial Day uh, big event to all the stations and the people. Is this going to be free? Well, yeah, John, it, it will be free. Um, and But when I say that, we all, always look favorably on donations. Um, donations can be made either towards the general budget, which we need. Uh, the pandemic has been really tough on us as it has been on many other organizations. And we're scrambling to catch up and gain a sense of normalcy again. Uh, so uh, you can make a donation to the general fund. You can make a donation to one of the restricted funds. That money would go to the house fund, the garden fund, uh, whatever uh, other restricted uh, you know, funds we might have. So we aren't selling tickets, but believe me, we would love you and appreciate you if uh, you gave us a donation. And uh, we look, we honestly look forward to seeing you on May 29th for what we're hoping you know, will be a really great day. And uh, the next podcast will be next month, and it will center around another activity that we will be doing in June. So stay safe, and thank you for listening, as always. John, do you have anything else? No, thank you, Doug. This is uh, really interesting. I didn't know all the background on Memorial Day, so uh, that's, that's really fascinating. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your generous donations, not only uh, to the people who have been coming in person, but uh, who have been watching our Facebook videos that come out every Saturday. Um, uh, we've had some challenges lately in getting things shot, as anyone can imagine, as history has been happening all around us in recent time here. So... Uh, we thank you for your support, and hopefully we can keep uh, entertaining you a little bit with these history stories, but also giving you some lessons on slice of life in the past of Richfield. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next month. Thank you.